Go thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Hello, people. Yeah, it is. It's me saying hi, people. All right, this is Matt Redman. We're going to just kind of roll this out tonight with uh, Matt's classic song, Blessed Be the Name. So if you do me a favor, share this out. I got to get here. Um, somewhere. Here we go. Blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to So if you're new to the show, let me just say, usually we do the um, uh, opening for a few minutes, and then I go ahead and I share something personal, and then we get into the news. So if you just want the news, come back in about 20 minutes, <laughs> or scroll through the first part. All right, let's sing this. And get into it, all right? Okay, this is great. It's Matt Redman. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. All right, who blesses Jesus' name today, huh? Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Mm-hmm. Amen. That's the name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. Yeah, I will. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. You give and take away. Uh-huh. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. You give and take away. You give and take away. 
above all names the name at the name at that name every knee will bow and every tongue will confess yeah that jesus is lord to the glory of god the father mm-hmm. don't you love math accent <laughs> i remember when this song came out like i don't know how long ago was it randall that this came, song came out you remember oh uh, it- well, I believe it was ago. the uh, <laughs> early, early 90s, 90, I don't know, 93, 94, somewhere in there, I think. It says here 2009, but I don't know if that's right. But mm, No, I don't know. Maybe, eh, I, I have don't no know. idea. But anyway, hello, people. <laughs> hey, glad you're here. Thank you for coming in. I totally appreciate it. You guys are awesome that, you know, you that you, you take the time to... Um, <clears throat> to come and join Bareface and me. Yes. Um, <clears throat> every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, people. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, if you're if you're new to the show, let me just tell you, I am Stacey Lynn Harp, your sweet and lovable host, debatable of some, but whatever. I don't care what they say. Uh, <laughs> somebody actually said one time, how did you get the moniker sweet and lovable? And I was like, well, somebody in the audience said it. I thought it was kind of good. And really, honestly, <clears throat> pretty much 99.8% of the time, there is like 0.2% of the time when people meet me, honestly, and Randall can tell you this, people say I'm so sweet. Lovable, debatable, but sweet for sure. <laughs> so uh, anyway, so you might see that under my name at some point during the show yeah mm, or not uh, <laughs> or not oh he's taking it out well yeah, 2020 was, is a new year people we're seeing with better I, vision and clarity I mean, that was that was gone in <laughs> q3 of last year was it yeah gosh i guess i haven't noticed i mean well, it's still true but uh taking out the lower third um most sources are saying that song was released in 2002 Oh, yeah. It's on the album a, where angels fear to tread. It's it's been a it's been okay. And Dan Danielle said, um, twenty twelve. I thought it was in the nineties myself because it's a pretty old song. That's what I was saying. But two thousand two seems to be recorded, released two thousand two. Says, says, say most sources, including Wikipedia. You know, the best <laughs> thing about Wikipedia is. I learned in I learned recently listening to a extreme uh, expert in network marketing that if you use phrases like "say most sources," then most people will tend to believe you. So I was laughing at that because I uh, thought of that. Well, it's, it's true. <laughs> I mean, if you look, it's like, <laughs> look, you know, uh, on um, uh, whatever you look on Spotify, Apple Music, Play Music. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, YouTube. We only have a show for an hour. Yeah, anyway, they're, they're all reporting 2002. Hello, people. All right, so I um, I want to um, 
I have not listened to that. The Traveler, no. But Nina, nice to see you. Nina Kay, Danielle, um, Diane, um, Kim, James, Joan, whoever else is on Periscope that I can't see. You looked on DuckDuckGo. Okay, so Danielle's said on DuckDuckGo it's 2012. Um, let me check over on YouTube. See if our faithful few are faithful few. You know, it's so funny. I've had so many people tell me, how come you don't have more people watching you? Your numbers should be like really, really high. And I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. Uh, Jeannie from George is there. Hello, honey. How are you? Jeannie is so sweet. Oh, okay. Danielle's saying now it's 2005. What's, yeah, there are various good? sources reporting different. But the you know what I would do? Report 2002. I would look at Matt Redman's own site, and that's where I would look. That's personally what I would do if I was going to do the research. But yeah, here we go. I don't want to turn this into the whole show. But... I know, but let's. Uh, the it was released on 2005 on the Songs of Matt Redman Volume One. But it was a, the original release was January first, two thousand two. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, here's a quiz for you. Bible quiz. All right, so the Bible quiz is in that song, "Blessed Be the Name of the Lord," that we just heard, right? First of all, who said that? And number two, what were the circumstances? I can tell you, but go ahead. Mr. Biblical Smarty Pants. The person was Job. Or Job. Job. Yeah, Job. Job for us English people. Yeah. Um, and the circumstances were that he had lost uh, basically his children um, and some livestock. And uh, he had gotten, yeah, he hadn't been stricken with the boils yet, I don't think. It was just, yeah. I don't think so. It was right after the death of his kids. Yeah. And said, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed, Blessed be, be the name, name of the Lord. The Lord. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, it's interesting. The The book of Job, Bareface and Me, we actually studied that book, like the whole thing <laughs> on air. That's a long book, but it's a good book. And I think a lot of people should read it because it's a, the fascinating people that come to Job and his suffering who don't know the behind the scenes story. Um, it, it really just shows you the hubris of men, really. I mean, seriously, we, and we see this, we see this like bearing out in our, in our day today too. So anyway, well, anyway, so I know some of you are here because I mentioned, you know, my dad in the, um, opening, uh, you know, as I was doing this. So I wanted to have a heart to heart with you people. You know, I've been doing this for 16 years, this show. Not always under the same name, and it's evolved through the years. Um, when in the beginning, I didn't know what I was doing, and then I learned what I was doing, and I was like, oh my gosh, I should probably get paid for what I was doing. And then life happens, and life changes, and um, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> God has me here on assignment, people. So I thought, you know, one of the things that I have learned in uh, 16 years of doing this, you know, I was a young woman when I was doing it. Now I'm a middle-aged one, is that part of what makes broadcasting good and real is when the broadcaster themselves is actually real, 
right? And I think that's why you come back. At least some of you, some of you are stalkerish, but some, but others of you, you actually come back because you hopefully are appreciative of my vulnerability and my process in life. And I have to tell you, it's interesting because when I first got started, my mom had just died of cancer. Um, almost eight, it'll be 18 years this year <clears throat> that my mom had cancer and God brought me through a very interesting, um, you know, journey there because that had been a very, very, very abusive situation where I had literally had to cut off my mom. Um, and then God brought me through a forgiveness thing with her to eventually where I walked with her through her cancer and then, you know, her impending death. Many years later, like, I don't know, let's see, be 18 minus five. So 13 years later brings me up to when my dad came back into my life. You know, now my dad's always been in my life. Uh, I was a kid at seven, they divorced. So he was gone after that. And he showed up at my wedding, gave me away when I was 23 to bareface. Um, and then his third wife died. I saw him for a couple of weeks boom. And then, and now his fourth wife died. And that's basically the extent of my relationship with my dad. It is a very interesting relationship because throughout my life, I've always wanted a relationship with my dad, but this is where the Lord came in. He stepped in, became my heavenly father. And honestly, I'm glad for that. I am so glad that I don't have a father wound like so many other women I know right? I've always felt loved by men, um, even though I was abused by one. Um, and I've, I've always had that secure attachment. But stepping into a caregiver role, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be careful what you wish for, people. Hey, here's a lesson. Just make sure that when you decide you want to take power of attorney over anybody, <laughs> uh, you know what you're doing. Or you, had, you kind of have an idea of what you're doing. Because I'm going to tell you, I had no clue what I was getting myself into. Oh my gosh. The mountain of paperwork, the mess, you know, the anguish, the, you know, basically adopting my dad is what I did five years ago, essentially. I mean, except without adoption papers. Um, you know, and I was thinking about it today and I was thinking that <clears throat> I wouldn't change it. But, but it's, there's the ugly cry, people, but I wouldn't change it. I would not change it. I know, and Vicky there, hey, Vic, you know, and, and Vicky, you don't mind if I tell them what happened with your mom, do you? Um, anyway, deep breath, <sighs> composure. Um, anyway, so I wouldn't change it. I would not change any of it. Uh, do I want to actually like, uh, <laughs> go through it again? Hell no, I won't go. No, I wouldn't. Not in a lifetime. Uh, but okay. So Vicky's mom, Vicky Hanky, her mom just died a couple of weeks ago. Um, anyway, and so long story short, <clears throat> um, um, 
you know, I wouldn't change it, you know, and it's interesting because as I was thinking about it, uh, my radio mentor, Janet Parshall, um, when I first started listening to her, she walked with me through my mom's death. And then I watched her on air as she took care of her dad and eventually her dad died. So, you know, it's a cycle of life. She was in her 50s when I started turn tuning into her. And now here I am, 51, going on 52, feeling like 108. <laughs> Just kidding. I'm not really. I played pickleball this morning and I played good people. Anyway, but here's the thing. I, um, I know that it's a middle-aged cycle of life. My dad's 40 years older than me. He's 91 years old. 91 and a half, really. He'll be 92 in July. Um, anyway, so I'll have to say that um, it's interesting for me as I've watched the Lord bring people into my life locally, um, draw me out of this show on a daily basis, but put me local to minister, and also walk through this journey of um, watching my dad decline. Right. So tomorrow I'm going to put him in hospice. Um, and uh, I came to this decision yesterday um, as as many things have con tra transpired with my father. Um, you know, especially over the last year, he's declined a lot. But at the same time, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about hospice because I don't know how many of you, when you hear that word, you're automatically thinking my dad's on death's door. He's going to die tomorrow. <laughs> um, it has changed. And I wanted to share with you what I'm learning because maybe it will help you. Um, it's not going to change my grief any. I'm going to go through the grief. You may see it. You may not. Um, but, you know, the word hospice is a scary word for, for a lot of people. Probably most people. You know, let's just say it. You know, when you think hospice, you think death. You think end of life. You think, you know, the Grim Reaper is coming. You know, I mean, th that's what you think, right? Well, I have I have a lot of hope. Number one, my dad is a believer. So I'm happy that he is a believer. Um, he is a godly, prayerful man. Um, he, I believe he knows the Lord in a very deep way. And I think that, um, you know, I've been thinking about the lessons that I've learned from him as, you know, the last five years in particular, um, his emphasis on prayer and what he says, and I mean, really pray, that's his words, not mine. Um, but also his confidence. He is a non-complainer, you know, um, and he has a, a steady strength that, I don't see in most people, but, but then again, he's 91. He's lived a long life, right? He knows not to, st not to stress the small stuff. And I'm sure for him and never in a million years has he ever, did he ever think bingo would become a highlight of his life? <laughs> Although I don't know, who knows? Um, the dignity of life though, and the battle with incontinence, um, the battle with dementia, the battle with Parkinson's can really take a toll on somebody's body. And so my dad is in a position, and a lot of people are in this position, where with his dementia, he is a high functioning, um, he's high functioning, which means that he can live in assisted living, he knows enough to go to daily activities, he, if he's on a schedule, he does very well. He knows me, 
Um, in the beginning, he didn't really know me. He thought I was his sister, but he knows who I am. He, he has very few um, states where he doesn't really know me. So he's not Alzheimer's, but he does have dementia and he's got a loop where, you know, he will go through the things over and over again. Okay. Just so you know. So he qualifies for assisted living. However, his body, because it's so old, has broken down, being incontinent, which is not uncommon, um, requires skilled nursing. And I can't afford, he can't afford to put him, he doesn't have the money for a skilled nursing facility. He just doesn't. It's like a thousand bucks more a month, like 5,000 something plus a month. Um, and a skilled nursing facility would put him in for I don't mean this in a disrespectful way but basically a diaper check two hours right I mean it's every every two hours they're nudging they're changing they're making sure he's dry they you know and all that and they would do other things and frankly he would go ahead and he would he would probably decline not flourish in a nursing home just because there's no I mean that's usually where people go to die okay I'm just gonna say it that way right so hospice um is designed uh, for this ability to be able to go and say, you know what, we can we can provide the care that assisted living can't, but you can't afford in the um, skilled nursing side. Um, and the good thing for me is that it's it's covered by Medicare. Um, my dad's fully one hundred percent covered, which is awesome, right? So um, after a uh, two-year struggle with assisted living where he's at and they've been doing their best and I'm not you know I'm not faulting them I think every assisted living facility at least here in my state that I've heard of has the same struggle it's it's a it's a hard job they're understaffed underpaid you know things can get better but it's it's a, it's a hard it's a hard thing right and I understand the struggle of being a caregiver and wanting to walk away <laughs> I can tell you now I don't judge people who walk away, you know, seriously, if they've been in this situation that I've been in or worse, I totally get why they would walk away. Totally. I have felt that. So I can't judge and go, oh, you're an evildoer. Yeah, but I get it. It's sad and it's sad when it happens because the system and there is no way to help people. It's not in place. It's irritating as heck, right? In my case, it's pretty much me and Bareface that takes care of my dad. My brother does come in and assist when need be. But really, the majority of everything, 90% of it's been me. Okay. Um, anyway, so all I have to say, God has blessed me greatly because in my networking with Legal Shield, I've connected with a ton of people. I met this guy named Steve, who I may actually ask to come on my show. And he has actually helped me. Uh, by coming in and supporting me and, you know, being there for being my advocate, basically. Um, and so I have a lot of comfort in knowing that my dad will be in hospice care because they're going to provide for him what he should be getting, but he can't because of the way these systems are, are set up. Um, and so I just want you guys to know my dad isn't dying. I mean, you know, we're all slowly dying, Claire, but... <laughs> But he's not on his way out tomorrow that I know of. Um, God forbid. <laughs> but obviously he's 91. He could slip and die tomorrow. I mean, you know, we all could, right? We could get, you know, 
airplane could crash in our house and kill us, you know, overnight. Um, don't want that to happen, but you know, I am sad. I'm going through a grieving process. Like Vicki just said, it's the next level of care it is. It's scary. I'm not going to lie about that. I have a little bit of anxiety over it. Not like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? But as his main caregiver, you know, I got to plan his funeral. I got to do all that stuff. So, you know, that's in the back of my mind. And it's stressful because there's going to be people now coming in to help my dad who he doesn't know yet. It's going to probably upset him. It's going to be another adjustment. But I think it's going to be the best thing for him. And so I just wanted to let you know that I wanted to thank you for your prayers. Those of you who understand what I'm talking about because you've been through it and or you may be going through it, I want you to know that hospice has changed. It's not just like, hey, I'm putting you in there tomorrow you're dead type thing. Okay. I want you to look at it as, look, sometimes this is just how you got to play the system. And my dad qualifies for it. Um, he's got, they got certain, you know, qualifications and stuff. And um, as a 91-year-old Korean War vet, I got to do the best I can to serve my dad. Um, and yes, he will stay in the same place he's currently living in. Um, Randall, did you want to say something? Well, I, was just gonna... I know you came up earlier. Yeah, I know we've got to get to the news, but uh, over on Facebook, Joey talking about uh, his mom passing away in her 50s when, mm -hmm. of cancer when he was in his 20s. and It's like, yeah, we get it. Yeah, we do. We, we do no. get it. Yeah. I think I was 32 when my mom died. But she was 57? Just short of 58. Yeah, my mom was 50, right at 50 when she passed away. Yeah. And Randall's... I was in my 20s. Well... Yeah. And Randall's dad died about a year ago. It'll be a year next month. And, you know, I know I've been preparing, you know, but you, even when it happens, I'm going to be a mess. We all know that, right? I mean, but I will tell you that one thing I'm going to do different with my dad that I didn't do with my mom is I am journaling my daily interactions with my dad, my daily thoughts that I have. Um, I am making a record of it because... I wish that I could go back now and read what I was going through with my mom because I think it will help somebody. I think I'm more mature now, hopefully. <laughs> Debatable, I know, isn't it, people? Um, but, you know, my my heart and my goal is to use the platform the Lord gave me to be able to help you in every area of life. And, hey, I'm a 51-year-old middle-aged woman doing things that I never thought I would do. Just saying, and if I can help any of you, just let me know. Reach out to me. Um, you know, if you have questions, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people. I'm like surprised how many people I know. I'm thinking, oh my gosh. Uh, so, uh, so, so that's my update. My dad is doing okay. He is declining. I'm not in denial about that. Hospice is going to help him. Um, you know, he could be there a year or two. Who knows? That's in God's plan. But my plan is to be able to um, just walk that journey. How many of you have ever read the book Hind's Feet on High Places? This is a classic book. It's an allegory of, a, of the main character named Much Afraid. And Much Afraid is um, learning to walk with the chief shepherd um, in that book. 
And it's interesting because Much Afraid goes on this journey through um, through the valley of sorrow and suffering and some other stuff. And 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 it's it's a very sweet allegory of what the Christian life is all about. The Christian life isn't without pain. It's not without suffering. Right. I mean, you know, there's the prosperity people who like you to think that's all, you know, perfect. And yes, everything's positive. But the, the, the truth is, it's not. Look at Jesus, what he went through. I mean, he died on a cross for our sin. Um, that wasn't comfortable. Right. And so I believe and maybe it's just I know God, you know, I know him. I love him. He talks to me. I talk to him. I know um, my Redeemer lives. And I know that my dad knows my Redeemer. And I know that. I feel confident in that. And I think that there are lessons that the world needs to see. And I think that, you know, it's wise to be ready for the end of your life. It is. It's because you don't know. I, I'm, I jokingly said this like many years ago. I used to say, you know, everybody always says, you know, today's the rest, today's, what's that phrase? Um, today's the first day of the rest of your yeah, life. Yeah, today's the first day of the rest of your life. I actually said, no, today is actually the last day of your life unless you live till tomorrow. Because that's true. I mean, they're both true, really. But if you think about it, today is the last day of your life unless you live till tomorrow. And then tomorrow, that day will be the last day of your life. So, um, but anyway, but with Christ, you know, to live is Christ, to die is gain, you know, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, we have so many promises and hope if we're in Christ. We don't have to grieve as those who don't, who grieve with no hope. We have hope. You know, Jesus is my hope. He's been my hope since I was 13 years old. I'm 51. That's a long time to trust somebody. And I can tell you this, Jesus, God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, they have never failed me at all. Not once. Um, they have they have probably done more for me than I know, probably for sure. And given me a confidence and a courage and a boldness that I never thought I would have. I know my life before. I know my life now. And I would not be who I am today without Christ in it. Um, I love him. So I hope you do too, you know, because that's so important. All right. All right, people. Um, you know, that's, that is my hope, by the way. By the way, I will tell you just one other thing. I will probably go over just so you know. When I met my dad, um, in the early, it was in the nineties. He did not know the Lord. And let me tell you something. I watched him come to the Lord through my stepsister, Gina, who got radically saved because of my witness and testimony. And then her mom got saved. And then that woman ended up being, um, transformative in my father's life. My dad became very active in the Baptist church after having been a lifelong Catholic. Um, he worked, he served, you know, he was, he's loved by everybody. Nobody hates my dad. <laughs> you can't, he's such a, you know, he always says I'm mean, miserable and hard to get along with, but <laughs> that's me. Just so you know, it's like, <laughs> it's not. Um, um, but anyway, he, you know, nobody, 
I have not. The only person actually who's ever hated my dad was my mom. <laughs> and at one point, yeah, she loved him. And I'm here, people, to bless you. Okay, anyway, so with all that to say, just, you know, you know, thank you for listening, being there. And if, like I said, if I can serve you and help you in any way, especially in this issue, feel free to let me know. I'll do whatever I can to, um, you know, to help you out. So, okay, that was, that's, that's done. Okay. All right. Ariel.org is our sponsor still through the net, through the end of next month. You guys, Hey, show Ariel how much you love them and go to their website and go buy something. Show them that you're use you're with my audience bible news the coupon code there you can use it you can um save 20 percent uh when you use the coupon code bible news they got some really cool stuff there in fact they have um i think i saw that they have the audiobook now of the yeshua series and it's not read by arnold which is a good thing because arnold's voice is very very hard to follow um I love Arnold, but you know, it's, you know, it's like, like if I was reading it, it'd be easier to listen to than Dr. Arnold, who I love, but you know what I'm saying. I, I, I really like it when books are read by the author because then you, I would fall asleep the... if it was read by Arnold though, because he has a monotone voice. <laughs> That's really bad. Sorry. My bad. Uh-oh. Anyway, also, I got to tell you guys, Legal Shield people, Legal Shield, I have a praise report with Legal Shield, okay? Bareface opened his first group this week with Legal Shield. Uh, we did have a field trainer help us with a group is basically you can get Legal Shield benefits as an employee benefit for companies. Uh, we have had our highest producing month in Legal Shield this month, January 2020. Woohoo! And um, I can tell you that all the hard work that I've been doing uh, this for the last 18 months or so, it's starting to finally pay off. God has been good, you know, and and I can see the future. And so, hey, I got to tell you something. If you work hard, you actually apply yourself, you get out there and work in any job, really, you can be prosperous. But I'm going to tell you something. If you want to join my Legal Shield team and put in some work, be trained, get personally developed, be a leader, go out there and help people, that's what Legal Shield does, you guys. It helps people. You know, I am so, somebody said, you bleed Legal Shield. Well, I, I guess so. Because what I'm going to tell you is I have heard so many awesome testimonies of how our legal services have helped people. And, you know, getting a will done, if, look, if you don't have your will done, please get it done. You can get it done for $25 with our membership. That's it. You know, if that, if that's all you do with our membership, it's worth it. Um, and there's so much more. I mean, I was at a networking meeting yesterday talking to a, a guy who's about 40 and, um, he's like, I have never heard of legal shield. And I go, well, let me tell you what it does. And I'm like this, he's like, wow. I'm like, yeah, I go and and we do this too. He's like, whoa, he was like, that's 25 bucks. I said, yeah, dude, it's 25 bucks. That's it. And I know he's gonna, he's gonna sign up soon, but you know, um, between Randall's group and my memberships, we signed up almost a dozen people this month. So, hey, 12 people, almost 12 people cannot be wrong. It was 11, but still close enough. Um, actually, no, it was nine because we did the split, but we got credit for, for, for 11. But, okay, so technically it was nine and seven, whatever that is. What's that? 
nine, what is that? 15, 16, I don't know math. Um, I have a master's degree, but I can't, I can't count like that. If it was 10 plus seven? 17. Nine plus seven? 16. There you go. Okay, so we have signed up 16 people this month for Legal Shield. Okay, so if 16, if we can sign up 16 people at one month, then you can sign up two or three people in a month. <laughs> Come on, people. This is an awesome membership. Everybody needs it. So if you are not yet signed up, make sure you get in touch with me in February, okay? Because that's tomorrow. Um, and uh, we'll get you all signed up. Cause, and I'll show you how to use it. And you'll be, you'll, be, you'll be blessed. You will totally be blessed. And then if you want to make money with it, I'll help you with that too. Um, okay. Also, if you want to donate to Bible News Radio, go to my website. Don't, just donate there. It's, it's biblenewsradio.com forward slash give. Uh, we could use the money. You know, the donations are good. Whatever you can give, we're good with. We're thankful. Okay, let's get to the news. All right, people. Um, sorry if you're a new viewer and you didn't want to sit through all that personal stuff, but I consider my family, you are my family, just like I have my Legal Shield family, got my BNR family. Um, you know, brothers and sisters in the Lord. So, all right. So speaking of that, um, Christian Post is reporting. Hello, and Angel Dust from Michigan. By the way, hey, I'm going to say hi to people over here. So give you all shouts out. Gloria, uh, I said hi to Vicky. Hey, Mia is there. Craig, Princess Babs, Lisa, Debbie, Billy, Eric, H9. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I I was thinking of HR puffing stuff when I saw H9. I don't know why. Sorry about that. Anyway, um, and whoever else is over on, uh, there's eight of you on YouTube. So whoever you are, like, go ahead and um, do that. Well, welcome to the show. This is a it, good, it, well, I don't know if you think it's an interesting episode yet, but <laughs> the first 40 minutes was all about my life, so... Anyway, okay, so let's look at this article. Islamic extremists hack 36 to death with machetes, including a Christian pastor in the DRC. So that's the Dominican Republic of Congo. Um, it's not the Democratic Republic of Congo? What did I say? You said Dominican. Oh, no. The Democratic. Sorry, my bad. Uh, anyway, it says here, Suspected Islamist militants hacked to death over 30 people, including an Anglican pastor in overnight attacks on villages in the east of the Democratic Republic of Congo. On Tuesday, four villages were raided by the Allied Democratic Forces, an Islamic group in the west of Beni territory, Reuters reports. And the rebel group has its origins in Uganda, but is now based in DR Congo's Beni region. Beni Governor Donat Kibwana told AFP that members of the terrorist group hacked all victims to death with machetes. Uh, in, in total, 36 individuals were killed, including an Anglican pastor. The main attack took place in uh, Manzingi, a village northwest of Ocha. Oicha? I don't know how to say this stuff. Well, the pastor was killed in the village of Erangeti. <clears throat> the victim had the misfortune to pass them on his way to the field with his wife. Omar Kavoda from rights group C-E-P-A-D-H-O said in a statement, according to Reuters. Launched 
In the mid-1990s, by Ugandan Muslim rebels forced out of Uganda, the ADF has become the conflict-stricken DRC's most active and violent rebel group over the past two years, led by Musa Balaku. The group is known for committing crimes such as murder, rape, and abduction of women and children, as well as slavery and indoctrination. Anyway, I'm not going to... So then it goes on to say, um, it says here, um, that region has seen a surge of violence since October 30th, in total, 265 people have been killed by the ADF since November, according to the Kivu Security Tracker Research Initiative that maps unrest in Congo's east. Persecution watchdog group Open Doors USA notes that the operation to push ADF out of the area has come at great cost to mostly the Christian population. Um, and it says here in November 2019, attacks carried out by the ADF killed at least 84 people, including men, women, and children. Over half of the victims were Christians. So I bring this up because if you're new, you don't know. I used to write the voice of the martyrs persecution blog. I did that for eight years, five days a week, three stories a day about Christian persecution worldwide. I consider myself an expert on the topic. And what I can tell you... Um, is that um, Christian persecution today is the highest as it's ever been in the history of mankind as we know of in modern history, for sure. Um, and it's coming to America. It's just that uh, most of the American church is snoozing away, hitting the, you know, the remote control and caring about politics like way too much, just so you know. Um, and what I can tell you is that Islam and communism are the two top persecutors of Christians in the world, just in case you didn't know that. And communism is actually number one. And the only reason communism is number one is because you have big, huge communist nations like North Korea and China that have huge Christian populations that they're oppressing there. And Open Doors is, you know, has been on the front lines of, um, doing underground work in China, also in North Korea. Um, the Voice of the Martyrs has underground um, programs, like they have Bibles Unbound, that you can actually get Bibles sent into China and other these these countries where, um, you know, where believers are, they need the Word of God. I mean, they even have things where they take the Bible and they put like these, um, like they're like little radios, and they'll go like in in Korea in um, South Korea. They'll literally like say this is South Korea, like this is South Korea right here, and this is North Korea where it's all dark. Okay, so what they do is the Christians they take the stuff, they launch these parachute things into North Korea. People find them and then they start playing it, and what's on it is God's word, the Holy Bible. Right? It's super cool. And then what they do, the believers that find it, they actually sometimes will handwrite the word of God by hand and they'll put it out and then they'll pass it on to somebody else in order to get Bibles. We in the West take our, our Bibles. You know, my Bible is right here. You know, this is my favorite Bible. But we in the West take this book for granted. We, we have... We have stacks of these everywhere. We can get them. I was in Goodwill the other day. I saw five or six Bibles sitting there on the shelf, you know, that people didn't want. And yet people all over the world are clamoring for the word of God in their language. And they're dying because of what they read in the word of God. They believe it. Um, the church has exploded in China. It's exploding in North Korea. It's exploding in countries where now people like 
Franklin Graham won't go in because Christian persecution has gotten so high. Um, and everything that article talked about, um, especially with the Islamic um, Boko Haram and all that, even tied in, you know, women are being raped, um, murdered. Often what they'll do, and, and I'm sorry if this is offensive, but often what they'll do is they'll, they will find a woman, a Christian woman and a husband. They'll take the Christian woman, say, you renounce your faith in Christ. If she doesn't, then they'll say to the husband, you renounce your faith in Christ. If you don't, I'm going to rape your wife right in front of you. Now, I don't know about you, but oh, that would be hard, people. And yet these people, they don't do it. They go through the torture. They get killed. They get, you know, and they, they enter into God's rest really fast. Um, but in some cases, Asiya Bibi, case in point, when I was writing the Voice of the Martyrs blog, uh, Asiya Bibi was one of the people that I wrote about who was imprisoned in Pakistan because she dared to share the gospel with Islamic our Muslim co-workers. And so, you know, she was recently released, praise God, after spending, I think, eight years, almost nine years in prison. And now she has a book coming out. So Randall, will show the picture. If you scroll this up here, the woman in the pink is Asiya Bibi. And she is amazing because I watched her go through the thing and I rejoiced when she was released. And who knows, maybe, maybe if the cards, you know, if I can get an interview with her, if she speaks English, I don't know if she does or not, but, um, We'll see. So let's read about her book. It says here, a photo of a happy and free Asiya Bibi, the Pakistani Christian woman who was imprisoned on death row for over eight years on trumped up blasphemy charges has gone viral ahead of the release of her memoir. By the way, we followed the trumped up charges against her. We talked about this for years. So I, um, yeah, I can't go into all the details, but I'm sure this book will. Anyway, it says here, Bibi 47, who's whose case garnered international attention uh, throughout the past decade is seen in a photo with French journalist Anne Isabel Tollett, who is co-authoring Bibi's book about her years in prison. The memoir is titled, titled Finally Free, the BBC reported Thursday. The picture, which appeared in the French publication Lee Figwart, uh, did I say it wrong? How, enough. How would you say it? Um, Differently, right? <laughs> probably, I would say Lee Figwart. Oh, it's because you've taken French. I'm only French by, you know, DNA. But whatever. Anyway, shows the journalist hugging Bibi from behind. Bibi is seen smiling as a free woman following years of incar incarceration. The image went viral on social media with many Twitter users retweeting the image in celebration and offering their warm wishes. You may know my story through the media. You may have tried to put yourself in my place in order to understand my suffering, but you are far from understanding my daily life in prison or my new life, and that's why in this book I will explain it all, B.B. writes in the publicity materials for the book. The publishing house released an excerpt in which B.B. asks, how could I ever imagine in 50 years that I would become a global uh, symbol of the fight against religious extremism when I'm but a simple illiterate peasant from my small windowless cell i often wondered why pakistan was targeting me during her incar incarceration bb's neck was sometimes encased in an iron collar that prison guards would tighten with a nut some of the bb's fellow prisoners were sympathetic to her plight 
she says in the book, in which she also reveals how she's adjusting to life in the West. The book was written, uh, published in French this week, but an English version will be published later this year. Bibi's ordeal first began in 2009 when she got into an argument with a group of Muslim field workers she worked alongside who berated her for drinking from the same water bucket. They accused her of making the word or making the water impure because she was a Christian. Muslims are forbidden from drinking from the same container as Christians. Bibi was also accused by the field workers of committing blasphemy by insulting the Islamic prophet Muhammad a charge she consistently denied that brings a sentence of life in prison or death by hanging. But listen to this, okay? Because this is true, and we followed this the whole time. During the police investigation into her alleged crime, Bibi was beaten up in her home and subsequently arrested on blasphemy charges. In 2010, she was convicted, sentenced to death under the nation's blasphemy law. Her case has led to widespread advocacy against similar laws in other countries. When she was acquitted in Pakistan's Supreme Court in the fall of 2018, protests calling for her execution ensued just as they had throughout her lengthy imprisonment. Two politicians who publicly supported Bibi and spoke out against the blasphemy laws under which she was detained, Salman Taser and Shahbaz Bahidi, were both assassinated. And we covered that when it happened. Um... Even after Bibi was acquitted, she was forced to remain in Pakistan for several months before she was able to safely leave and obtain asylum in Canada, where she now resides. Her exact location remains undisclosed for obvious reasons. Um, it says here, Talit, who has worked in Pakistan for many years, has published two other books on Bibi's case. Yeah, part of what happened, too, is that when Asiya Bibi would go to trial, they would go ahead and, and then they'd cancel it, like the last minute. Oh, psych, nope, you can't go before the tribunal. Um, witnesses wouldn't show up. The Muslim def- lawyers that were defending her, they got killed. Um, <laughs> it's, it's crazy. And it's really a miracle. I'm going to tell you something. Um, I had the honor of interviewing Miriam Abraham, who was, um, the, she was in, um, where was she? Nigeria? I can't remember. Uh, Sudan, I believe. Sudan. Yeah. Well, anyway, so Miriam, she was pregnant, and she was given the sentence of death and a hundred lashes, um, which, thank God, she never got either. But God delivered her freely. So I just want to say, these two women, um, also um, uh, Nagme Abedini, who was, who was the ex-wife now of... Um, of what's his name, Abedini? What's yeah, his name? I, I, just, I can't think. I of just it, it just went blank. Oh my gosh. Anyway, uh, but anyway, I've had all that to say. I have interviewed these Christians who've was been Said. Said, yeah, there you go, Said Abedini. Anyway, yeah. I have interviewed two of these women. Three, no, two, two of these prisoners that were international cases, and God miraculously delivered them. Here's the thing. Never underestimate writing a letter through these ministries like Open Doors or Voice of the Martyrs um, because those letters impact what happens to those prisoners in jail. And I was going to say, even if they don't get to the prisoner themselves, they get to officials that are... Right. And they see the support and it puts pressure on... You know, if they can quietly kill somebody in the corner, you know, dark prison cell or whatever... You know, do it. But if they see that, you know, hundreds of thousands of eyes 
uh, you know, are paying attention to what's going on, then it you know becomes a high-profile case, and they're a little more hesitant to uh, do anything if it's westernized. You know, there in Pakistan, you know, it was they're all about screaming for death, and you know, it's it's you know, it's just a few extremes. A whole nation where blasphemy against is against the law, and you know, is punished by life in prison or death by hanging. And, and, and lashes as, too. I yeah, mean. and and as Stace talked about, uh, you know, those that were appointed to defender, just appointed by the court to be your defense, were murdered. And anybody right. stepping, you know, this this religion of peace, um, yeah, of peace is. Uh, it's just it's just crazy, you and, know. It's it's just you know we can't drink out of the same, you know. Well, there's a couple of people in uh, Periscope basically trying to school me on how these guys don't represent Islam, which is a flat-out lie. It, it, well, what what religion are they representing? <laughs> well, and don't, don't get me wrong. I've had n- numerous former Muslims on this show who've received Jesus and become Christians. Um, and I've had experts on Islam who understand the Quran, who've actually translated the Quran, um, and all that. So it's just propaganda. It's BS, really. I mean, propaganda is a nice word for saying BS, basically. Um, there are a lot of different types of Islam, admittedly. and But within Islam, you can be an infidel within Islam, according to Sharia law. If you don't follow Sharia law, then under Islam, you should be killed from your own religious people in the same religion. I mean, that's ridiculous, but... Which is why I'm a Christian, because Christianity is just so much easier, and it's true, unlike Islam, which is um, a false, evil religion, just so you know. Yeah, Jesus didn't teach the spread of hate. Oh, it sounds like you know what he taught. Hmm, interesting, because Jesus said that they will hate you on account of me. So, take that, huh? Okay, anyway. He, he certainly didn't teach the spread no, of hate. No, but, it, you know, it, the fact it, that people followed oppose, where he went. But. It, the fact that you call out Islam for the evil religion that it is, yes. the BS that it is, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't care. You can hate me if you want. You can lie about how great Islam is to me all you want. I'm never going to believe it. <laughs> Just so you know. Anyway, speaking of that, let's, let's uh, also go to this next story. Um, which one do you think we should do? The Holocaust one or the, the, the other one? Oh, uh, yeah. Let's look at the, the archbishops. Archbishops. Okay. Uh. Okay. So, this actually is interesting. So, this, this comes off the Christian Today, I think it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, so this one says, archbishops apologize for hurt caused by, say, by a sex and marriage statement. Uh, you can see. Whoops, I might want to get the right headline in there. There we go. <laughs> okay, you can see from looking at these guys that they look super happy. They they both have crosses around their necks and those little collars that make them look super clerical. Look at me, I am a super cleric. Do, 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 do. Anyway. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just the picture. They, uh, they, 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 they like the opinion. Like if I didn't know what this story was about, and I said, "Please caption this picture." 
the guy on the right, the white guy, he looks like, you know, like the guy from that that famous photo with the pit, with the pitchfork. Yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? American he looks- Gothic. <laughs> okay, look, people. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. <laughs> All right. I think mean, you could take that guy's face and you could put it on that picture and it would uh-huh. be perfect. Anyway, sorry, yeah, this is why I'll never be famous. Anyway, it says the here... irreverence of it all. <laughs> uh, the Church of England's two most senior archbishops have issued an apology for the hurt and division caused by a statement main- maintaining a traditional position on sex and marriage. After meeting, after a meeting of the Church's College of Bishops, Archbishops Justin Welby and John Sentamu said they acknowledged it had, quote, jeopardized trust. However, the statement itself has not been withdrawn or retracted. In their document published in response to the introduction of mixed sex civil partnerships, the House of Bishops said last week, for Christians, marriage that is the lifelong union between a man and a woman contracted with the making of vows remains the proper context for sexual activity. Imagine that. I know. It added sexual relationships outside of heterosexual marriage are regarded as falling short of God's purposes for human beings. The introduction of same-sex marriage has not changed the church's teaching on marriage or same-sex relationships. Okay. Liberal bishops were said to be furious and broke ranks to criticize their own Episcopal statement. Some had hoped this week's meeting of the College of Bishops might retract it. But the new statement does not do this and simply says we, we as archbishops, alongside the bishops of the Church of England, apologize and take responsibility for releasing a statement last week, which we acknowledge has jeopardized trust. We are very sorry and recognize the division and hurt this has caused. At our meeting of the College of Bishops of the Church of England, and this week we continued our commitment to the Living in Love and Faith Project, which is about questions of human identity, sexuality, and marriage. This process is intended to help us all to build bridges that will enable the difficult conversations that are necessary as together we discern the way forward for the Church of England. The statement has already attracted criticism from both liberals and conservatives in various online discussion forums. Of course, one campaigner for LGBT rights described it as a non-apology apology out of the Richard Nixon mold. While some traditionalists were disappointed that the archbishops appeared to be reaching for cover after facing criticism for last week's statement. The Church of England is due to complete its Living in Love and Faith project later this year. The aim of it has been to examine contemporary moral issues it's already made made clear this will not pronounce on the rights or wrongs of same-sex marriage thus by implication leaving existing church teaching in place but helping people to learn how to think according to bishop christopher is that his real name i guess so i'm not gonna say it chair of its core ordinating group yeah well anyway so So basically what we have here, people, is we <laughs> we have the, the nerve of a church remaining biblical and teaching, but then because, they're, because they feel peer pressure, they come and they apologize for their view, which to me is completely wimpy, man. We, we need 
We need men with chests, people, with big hairy chests, hairy, hairy, hairy chests and muscles. Yeah, we need, we need that. We need godly men. Um, and I'm not saying these two are godly, but you know, we do. Should need... I take my shirt off now and <laughs> show my chest? Uh, you know, I, I just, yeah. Anyway. Uh, yeah. The, the sad it, it, thing it is, is it's, it's... the sad thing is they, they recognize the division hurt that it has caused within, within Christendom with, in fact, within the, within the, um, you know, the church of England, uh, that's where the division hurt was caused. When they made a statement on the biblical design, and I would argue just the natural design for human sexuality, it causes hurt and division within the church. <laughs> we expect that the world would be hurt, you know, the the you know LGBT activists and what more, you know, to be hurt. But but the hurt happened within the church, and then they're recognizing. They didn't. They said we apologize. They apologized for releasing the statement. Uh, but they said we're we're very sorry and recognize the division and hurt this has caused. So yeah, it is like a non-apology apology. But the fact that it's even that an apology at all, um, in the in the newest sense of the word. I'm sorry no. you feel that way. That's yeah. an apology, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> When somebody says, I'm sorry that you feel that way, what that really is is the middle finger being flipped at you. Really. Because it's like, well... <laughs> That's too bad that you don't agree with me because you're entitled to my opinion. <laughs> um, In my opinion. Uh, oh, but yeah, that's that's the thing I find most sad, that the, the hurt and division is within the church. I mean, the, the church shouldn't be making statements you know about about the world i mean other than making observations but shouldn't be um certainly the church should not be uh providing you know doctrine or or guidance or you know what's the word i'm looking for um i don't know you know any sort of rules for the world because the world is the world you know it's not the church um, all right well let me say something so I will say in 15 plus years of doing counseling with people, you know, in the professional counseling setting, having had young men, women, and middle-aged men and women come in counseling and have me counsel them for whatever various issues, what I can tell you is not one time have I ever had a married couple come in who had waited for marriage, man and woman, who, who, who were virgins when they came in. Now, I have had some, but what I can tell you is not one of those virgin couples that came in to see me had to deal with most of the same things that all the other clients I had who were Christians sleeping around doing stuff that they shouldn't have been doing, um, dealing with STDs, broken heart, broken relationships. I was on TikTok earlier today, and there was a, a young woman, I think she said she was 28, and for one minute, because that's how long you get on TikTok, she actually talked about how she had moved in with her fiancé. Her fiancé um, cheated on her, uh, gave her STD. Um, anyway, this big, this big, long story, right? And I think there was something like 600 comments by the time I left mine. Um, 
And, you know, and she was basically trying to get sympathy and pity and stuff. And I, I wrote a, I wrote a very direct comment. I, and this was my comment. My comment was, well, what do you expect when you live immorally? I mean, if you're going to be immoral, expect the consequences of be of, of immoral behavior, which is bodily harm, unfortunately, disease, a broken heart, and a whole myriad of other issues, financial problems. That's basically what she had said and some other stuff. No. Am I being a meanie weenie when I say something like that? Heck no. No. I'm, that's reality. Me and Bareface, we did it right. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, I can tell you, I don't have an STD. Bareface does not nope. have an STD. I have never had to deal with financial devastation because I got pregnant out of wedlock or anything like that. Or any of the other psychological crap that happens to people when they do that. And imagine, you know what? Frankly, I'm not going to apologize for it. Imagine if this young woman said, I lended my car to a thief and he stole it. Right. Or he went and wrecked it. Have sympathy for me. It's it's the same thing, only worse. You know, she gave of herself to someone who did not have a right to it, who who proved himself to be uh, not uh, not committed because yeah. he was shacking up with her. If he if he was a man of commitment, you know, they would be married. But he proved himself to be unfaithful. He proved himself to be a thief, and she gave himself to her. Actually, that's what she said. That's what this girl said. I, it's all coming back. Basically, the guy that she was a fiance, moved in with him, bought a house with him. She was on his computer and found that he was trying to hook up with a hooker uh, well, before they got married. Okay, so I'm like. Right. The fact that he would say, move in with me, tells tells us, should have told her, that he's not a person of commitment. I mean, not even engaged. What? Yeah, you know, I mean, because. Come here. Come here, stop making noise, man. I'm you know, there. try before I buy. I mean, that's... When we're talking someone's person, someone's physical person, it's it's theft, in my not-so-humble opinion. Okay, cat. And, 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 you know, if you love me, you'll have sex with me. Prove your love to me by... Well, that's just the opposite. You know, it's... It's... Uh, Fulfill my lusts by giving me what is not mine. Let me say something, okay? Because I don't want anybody to feel condemned by what I'm saying. And I know people, you know. Will be. No, no, no. No, will I cause know. hurt and division? No. I know people are raised. If they're not raised in the church, they don't know. Yeah. They don't know. I mean, look at the media. That's all it promotes, right? I mean, they don't know that. So, so it's our job in a loving way to say, you know what, honey? you know you know what little mister you know <laughs> and it, you know let's keep your clothes on you know until you're married this is why i don't know how many of you have been following the fact that tim tebow just got married um tim tebow had a beautiful wedding um to a beautiful woman um who i believe also was a virgin um and Tim was, what, how old is Tim? In his mid-20s, early 30s? I think he's in his early 30s. And he waited. You know what? Now that's a guy, right? That's a manly man who waited for his girl, and she waited for him. And, you know, it was a beautiful wedding. You should go on Instagram on Tim Tebow's account and just look at his videos of the wedding. I mean, it's just beautiful. And, and seeing a man 
really love a woman. I mean, he completely epitomizes um, real love, real pure love. You are right, but that is what it is. Unfortunately, there are tons of people taking advantage of. Um, I can't, I can't, I gotta wait for the rest. But, but anyway, so, <clears throat> you know, we can do better, right? And we can encourage younger people to, to, to not give up, you know, too easily who they are. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I do have one more story, but I'm going to save it for tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> and I also just want to let you know that um, next week, Jeff Kinley, uh, he wrote a book called Interview with the Antichrist. Uh, he's going to be my guest on Saturday. Looking forward to having that interview. So I, I should start promoting it a little bit more. Um, it's going to be good. You guys are going to look forward to that. You're going to enjoy the interview. Jeff is awesome. He's a great, great guy. And you're hungry, aren't you, huh? I started feeding this cat twice a day, you know. I leave food out in a bowl for him all the time, but he's 10, and now he wants a lot of wet food. And so I give him food in the morning. I used to give him only a half can, and he would never eat it all. So that's why I gave him a half can, because he didn't eat the whole can. And to make a long story short, he's, he finally started to eat the whole can. Well, now he's up to two cans a day, and he's getting to be a little bit fat. Yeah, you are. You're getting to be a little fatso, you know, you little fatso. And now you, you won't leave me alone because I feed him at night. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Uh, uh, so anyway, so I will close the show by saying tomorrow we'll talk about the Filipinos and the Holocaust for a brief time. Um, thank you for listening to my life story at the beginning of the show. Those of you who stayed for the whole show, thank you. Um, and... Um, uh, and I would also ask you to pray for our dog, Tuggy Bear. He is sick right now. We don't know what's wrong with him, but uh, he was shivering and panting really heavy, For and he didn't eat his dinner. In fact, Grover went and ate his dinner a number of hours later. He ate the rest. Um, so we have a sick baby dog who's 15, and uh, yeah, all that. So for those of you who love animals, pray for our dog. And um, I'll see you lord willing tomorrow so as i always say people be bold stand up and go people with god because he loves you <laughs>